Coming up on Tech Thing, Huawei's Honor 5X. Can it beat the Moto G for best $200 Android phone? You asked. So you know what? We got your LED buying guide right here, people. Hardware monitor and CPU temp, 7-zip encryption, and that $9 chip PC, it's running. All coming up on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please contribute to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. Donations by viewers like you make Tech Thing possible, people. Thank you so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patty Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. All the good days. All the good days. <laughs> you have the newest challenger for the best $200 oh! Android phone. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I present to you the that. Honor 5X, it's so which cute. is Huawei's Honor 5X, <laughs> not the Honor Huawei 5X. It's true, yeah. It's true. So <laughs> it's phone time, of course. It's big. There's lots of phones that are coming out right now. This is a 5.5 inch screen, and it's 1920 by 1080 mm -hmm. IPS. Yeah, it's very so nice. It's it's HD. nicely lit. Yes, <laughs> HD. Yay! So, yes, it's called the Huawei Honor 5X. So, this is a $200 phone. It comes in this nice brushed aluminum, as opposed to plastic, which a lot of these $200 phones come in. And it also comes in three different colors. I got the silver one, but there's also a black one and a pretty champagne rose color, champagne which I believe rose. you're going to be messing with I'm this week. I'm a big fan of the champagne <laughs> rose, people. So, its biggest competition, of course, is the Moto G 2015. Yeah, it came out. Uh, I believe in September, that that time Sounds frame, right. uh, and the Zenfone 2 from Asus, which I got to review back last year as well. So those are the big competitors. Uh, this one again, 1920 by 1080. It's 401 pixels per inch screen, which hmm. means it's very, very nice. And it's a 1.5 gigahertz quad-core Qualcomm Snapdragon 615, which is better than the Moto G processor from last year. This one only comes in one storage size, and that's a whole 16 gigs. Well. You have the whole internet and the cloud and the stuff uh, and the servers. I, I, yeah. I okay. On the upside, <laughs> does it have a micro SD card slot? It does. Yes. Okay. So with the micro SD card slot, you can get up to 128 gigs of extra room, extra storage mm -hmm. on here. It also only has two gigs of RAM, not three gigs, which you generally that? have been seeing quite a bit lately. But on a cheap phone, two gigs is pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah, it, it's it's decent enough for this size phone, and it does have a 3,000 milliamp per hour battery, which is quite big for this. It lasts well into the second day of my use, which oh, wow. was pretty cool. Of course, I'm not using it all night, <laughs> obviously. You slept instead of testing? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's running Android 5.1, mm -hmm. not 6. whatever the right. most newest update might be for a Huawei phone. Uh, I believe my 6P is running 6.1.1, uh, so the newest version. But this one's a little bit older. And it runs this thing called Emotion UI, which I'll hold it up so you can see it a little bit better. But let's find a let's find a little folder right here. Yeah, I walked yeah. up to. What's that look like, anybody? I walked up to your desk and was like, "How did you get <laughs> iOS running on an Android phone?" Yeah. And you were like, "I know, <laughs> I know." So it actually looks kind of like a, a crappier version of iOS, that, let's just say <laughs> which there you are never hear from me. <laughs> iOS icon and graphic influences. It's so weird. <laughs> I'm really not feeling the UI here. Apps are categorized into different folders. Mm -hmm. Notifications are separate from settings. So if you do a drop-down menu, which you can generally do with all Android phones, you get notifications, and then you get shortcuts, and that's where you can get into your settings. 
So three clicks as opposed to one or two with my phone currently. Uh, they also have a separate Perhaps the app shortcut to so it as well perfect on the home screen. Factory, you don't have to change the Yeah, it's, a, it's a little bit weird. The application, <laughs> uh, the actual app icons look mm -hmm. a little bit funny due to Emotion UI standard curve that they add to all of them. So it's basically giving each one a little template. There is a little bit of bloatware, uh, which ended up giving me about 4.5 gigs left after I installed all my general applications which is like 50 apps or Define so. Define bloatware. What kind, was it hideous okay. bloatware or, or it's something that's not necessarily that hideous. It's things like. that you might actually enjoy. They they already install things such as Huawei's community and Huawei's support Ooh. and Face Facetune, which I have not used. Uh, Facebook, Shazam, Twitter, those are all already pre-installed. There's an FM radio on here, so you can get FM radio, which is kind of cool. SIM toolkit, uh, weather, a magnifier. There's a bunch of really random things on here that you're supposed to enjoy. So how big is so how so? From the factory, there was only four and a half gigabytes of memory available out of 16 gigabytes? No, no, no. That oh, was okay. after I put all my normal stuff on here. Thank I only you. had 4.5 gigabytes left. Okay. Yeah, so I only ended up with that, that amount after installing all of my goodies, which is not a lot of extra room for camera, like photography right. and videography and stuff like that. The More on the camera in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it was a little bit weird. I'm not a huge fan of the Emotion UI and the 16 gigs mm. on here. But moving on, <laughs> let's go on to something really cool, the dual SIM card slots. Now, I think this is awesome. Right. So you can either do a micro SIM or a nano SIM or both at the same time. Both have LTE capability. Mm. Of course, you can't use the same LTE radio at the same time, so you have to pick one or the the other. Okay. Uh, the Asus Zenfone 2 or the Asus Zenfone 2 also has this for 200 bucks, but only one of those will run LTE. Why would you want this? I know a lot of people might not use two at the same time. Um, I'm using two phones right now because I'm testing out Google Fi and I'm going to take it with me overseas to see how Google Fi works overseas. And Traveling back. a lot? Traveling a lot. If you have a separate uh, SIM card for right. work as opposed to personal, you mm -hmm. want those separate phone numbers for each thing. If you travel overseas, one might be for home use, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of use case scenarios right. where you might want two SIM cards. Uh, one thing that it is missing is there's no NFC on here. A lot of people don't want it or don't necessarily need it. I personally really enjoy having an NFC. Okay, I, I'm going to make a promise to you. Okay. I'm going to use near-field communications okay. on an Android device yeah. to program my washing machine. <laughs> oh, okay, well. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's how that I feel. That sounds good. <laughs> Apparently, I can change the setting. I can put custom programs on my washing machine. See, I've been using NFC lately to connect my pro camera since I don't have a cameraman, mm -hmm. and I can use it as uh, basically an image so I can see myself back while oh, the lens is facing so me. The so the NFC really communicates cool. with your Sony camera. Yes, it and does. And the video goes over the NFC. Yeah, video, and then I can also transfer pictures to it too, and then I can send pictures to like Instagram or whatever so, I want. I mean, as Which is we're, really we're cool. running around like, you know, getting all Hogwarts. Tap, tap, tap. So, tap, so tap. okay, so wait. Does do I you, have to hold you it You touch up. it? Okay, so when you touch the phone to the camera, yeah. you can see then the Then it connects. Yeah, there and you go. It, like, and then it transfers I, over Wi-Fi I set or something? it there. So I'll I set it with my camera. Okay. <laughs> and then it lets me use it as an extra screen so I can see what's happening behind the lens. I think Which is great of, for focusing. Part of the challenge for me with NFC is because Bluetooth was so horrendous for the first, I don't know, quarter of its yeah. life. I understand that. That it amazes me. And NFC was a little <laughs> clunky, but it's, 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 it's neat to see NFC actually do things like payments. Yeah, um, true. 
Uh, I was very excited since this is from Huawei. I was like, cool, I can try USB-C again. But unfortunately, this one does not have USB-C. It has micro USB for charging instead. So it's a step back from their <laughs> Nexus uh, Nexus line. The camera on here, so that's pretty fun. Not bad specs. Not bad specs at all. So the front camera, or the rear-facing camera, I should say, is 13 megapixels. It's f2.0. Mm -hmm. And the front, or rear, or the, the selfie camera, I should right. say, is 5 megapixels and f2.4. Uh, it does take 1080p video, which is great. The 13 megapixel camera, and I'll pull up some pictures so you can see those. So this one does very good in good lighting and at close range. It actually did very it's well with taking photos of Kirby and her fur. It Although did pretty you notice, good. scroll down a little bit, it did get a little bit the, the brighter section. We got yes, a little blown out down for here. A yep, a little blown out down there, and more on the blown out too in a bit. And it did a very good job with her face too. Very clear, very defined. So I was really happy with that. Now when I zoom, when I zoom into a like very far uh, range, Don't for example, use digital zoom. There you go. If I zoom into something like this warehouse back here, it gets very grainy, very, very grainy. Um, it, it also got a little blown out when I was taking pictures outside. You'll oh, notice with the whiteness of this truck right here, it does have some defined lettering and things like that on the side of it, but it was very, very blown out. So it didn't do so well with natural light, which was kind of surprising. I wonder if using a different photo app or if that's something that they might correct. Yeah, in and this a was just update. the default photo app. Yeah. Because so. that, that sounds like that looks like something where they were like, oh, hey, F2 is a little more sensitive than we thought it was. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did very well with the Kirby photos. The pictures, the fur was very detailed, yeah. but if she moves, of course, it gets a little bit of blurry blurriness, but that's pretty I mean, pretty common with, uh, you know, smartphone cameras. 18 months ago, like that shot of Kirby mm -hmm. would have been a cat shape. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, you know, it would have looked like, like, yes. like, like clay fur. It would have, it <laughs> yeah. would, there wouldn't, have, there would, there would have been no signs it's of individual hairs on the cat. It would be sort of a cat. It's very true. <laughs> I also thing. noticed um, colors are very oversaturated. So with the the reds on here are very oversaturated. The yellows are oversaturated with from what I can actually see with my own eyes, uh, and also with dark lighting. This is a picture in the studio while all the lights are turned off, it did not do well with picking up any kind of the colors from you know the, the poster or mm -hmm. the yingling sign or anything like that. And this is a bright red yingling sign, so I was hoping that it would pick up right. some of that color range, but colors, it I didn't mean, do well most in dark lighting. Fall apart when they, and, and we should also point out, you've been using the El Champione low light professional yeah. DSLR Seriously. lately. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really fun to mess with and uh, it was enjoyable to compare it to like the 6P which does very well in low lighting. Uh, the front camera, the, uh, the, the selfie mm -hmm. camera I guess I should say, is a little bit more natural as far as the mm -hmm. colors go. So I, I was okay with it. It's not perfect but it did pretty good job. Is with that a selfie camera it's photo? It's a selfie of the cat. Yes, that's right. And the colors are very, very natural and you can tell when comparing to the front camera how oversaturated oh, wow. the front camera is. Isn't See, that I crazy? wonder I really wonder if they, the did that, if they did that to, because they thought it would look better or if they just haven't finished kind of tuning the camera. Yeah, it could be either. Oh. It's, it's, I'm unsure with that, but it, I'll be, it'll be fun to see what happens with it in the future. There are a lot of other cool filters built in, such as a beauty shot. There's a great food one, which even saturates mm. it even more. But <laughs> uh, overall, the camera was just kind of meh. The screen looks very good for the price. It's bright. It's very yeah. easy to read in the sunlight. I was really impressed with sunlight reading, and the colors look way more correct on the screen than my 6P does, which is 
way out of range. <laughs> my, my biggest gripe with this phone is the ios -y interface. It feels like it's trying way, way too hard to be iOS. Right. I mean, obviously, I could put a different launcher on it, like the Google, Google launchers, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and hide that fact. But straight out of the box, the software is not my favorite thing in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I Obviously, I could hack it, but this is not a review of hacking it. It's a review of what a consumer is going to get. I think both of us fall deeply into the plea just give us delete expletive pure Android. Yes, that's all I want is just vanilla Android and I will be very happy. Uh, but yeah, this is another $200 phone. Uh, the speakers on it mm -hmm. were, they got really loud, but I felt like it was overcompensating for voice and you couldn't hear any bass whatsoever in the music that I was listening to, which is also kind of a gripe for me, but a lot of phones had that same exact issue. So mm, Phone speakers suck. Yeah, so it's a very good <laughs> phone for 200 bucks and um, I was uh, overall, the the only big concern was the iOS e interface, which I did not like. Should be a, a twitch faster than the Moto G. Should be a yes. fast processor. Yeah. Um, did a good job with processing powers. Boy. I only had a bit of a lag when I was installing all of my apps. Interesting. So now it's like a pure, you know, pure Android experience versus the latest $200 phone. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, was kind of weird. Are you going to keep I it? would stick, no. I'm going to send it back. Yeah, it's it's a, I, I actually bought this on Amazon, so I'm returning it. <laughs> so, because <laughs> I wanted to test it. <laughs> but I am returning it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not you also have purely happy with it. Yeah, and I have no reason to go with a $200 phone right now. I'm happy with my 6P, so let us know what you think, of course. If you guys have checked out the Huawei, if you think that it's a good competitor to the Asus Zenfone or the, the Moto G, G from last year, which is still a highly favorable one for a lot of Android users, let us know. Feedback at, no, ask at techthing.com. In a slightly different universe, I'm an executive producer that no longer actually makes video but runs spreadsheets and budgets for a team that creates link-baby trash to chase ever-decreasing ad dollars. Instead, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, patreon.com slash techthing where y'all can support techthing so Shannon and I can make it our job. Crowdfunding is cool. It means we get to focus on making great content for you, our viewers. Our patrons get access to special patron build videos and early heads up on what's coming and quite a bit more. Go check out patreon.com slash techthing. Yeah, and thank you so much for supporting the show. No matter how you do it, send in your questions or tips, write a review on iTunes, give our video a thumbs up, share the link with your friends. It all makes the show that much stronger so we can keep making it for you because I hope you enjoy it half as much as we do. We love you guys. Three questions answered, three reviews, three picks, all in three minutes. This week's Rapid Fire Roundup is probably going to have four or five parts because... You guys got really curious when we mentioned LED bulbs last week. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Go! All right, ladies and gentlemen, LED equals light emitting diode. They are much more efficient than incandescent, aka old school light bulbs, in turning electrical energy into light. Because incandescent bulbs mostly turn electrical energy into heat. Light really? is like the byproduct of the heat <laughs> from an incandescent bulb. In any case, I think LEDs make much better light than CFLs. Uh, and in the bargain, uh, LEDs should last three times as long as CFLs. And by mm. the way, keep an eye out for utility rebates when you're looking to buy them. Um, here in California, uh, PG&E made for some fantastic deals on those. Cool. Um, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, you just screw them in like any other A-type bulb. And if you've never found something like this up of Lightopedia, which is a chart of all the different bulbs and sizes, man, you can get really nerdy with um, light bulbs. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's it's. If you go to a specialty lighting store where they sell like all the bulbs, it's yeah. it's 
It's geeky. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. Most LED bulbs should work fine with the dimmers these days. Mind the label when you are shopping if you, mm. uh, if you basically, if you want a bulb that works with a dimmer. So the packages have a bunch of information on them, which is essentially in uh, PromptsToLightningFacts.com for this. Um, the FTC information. So uh, the these are like basically any medium screw base, like A19, A17 bulb. Um, there's also a, a voluntary Department of Energy label, which is much oh. less uh, common. It's usually on the back of the package. Okay. But if you take a look at this, this is what's going to be on the front of the package. The brightness in lumens uh, and the estimated energy cost per year. And that energy cost is based on three hours a day. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, 365 days a year. Okay. Lumens uh, in brightness or lumens, the bigger the number, the more light it outputs. So. 450 lumens is a 40 watt bulb, 800 lumens is a 60 watt bulb, 1100 lumens is a 75 watt bulb, 1600 lumens is a 100 watt bulb. Okay. Um, so the cost per year, it's three hours a day um, based on 11 cents per kilowatt hour, um, life in years, keep going down. So if you look at the label right here, let me make it a little bit bigger. Um, so we have the, the Brightness, the estimated yearly energy cost, the life in years, again, based on three hours a day, um, the energy used, the actual energy consumed, which is usually pretty easy to find, and then the light appearance. So the energy used in watts, uh, that's the watts needed to light the bulb. And I know it's really tempting a lot of the time, like, oh, you know, that 40 watt fixture in the living room, <laughs> you know, the ceiling fixture is never very bright, yep. but now we can put you know, 1100 lumen light. Like, <laughs> There's a lot of light in my house that used not to be there. Um, the light appearance uh, is a number in Kelvin. It should be okay. a four-digit number. Uh, and that brings us over. There's a nice example. Westinghouse is a cool one. The color of light can affect your mood. Change the feel with light. So Ooh. warm white is up to about 3,000K. Uh, a lot of people have their incandescent bulbs for warm white. 3,100 to 4,500K is a cool white or, or more bluish or neutral or daylight light. Uh, and the full daylight is 4,600K to 6,500K. Um, this is the best, if you are, technically, if you want to see all of the detail, if you want to maximum sort of reading comprehension, they tell you to go like that 5,000K rate. Yeah, if you're okay. like soldering tiny things, you want a, you know, like a 5K ball, the 5,500K ball, the 5,500K It's good to know because ball. I'm constantly soldering things. Well, you are, <laughs> but it, this is, what I like about this though is, is you'll notice, right, the daylight bulb, like a, you know, 6,000K bulb is very, very blue right. compared to a 3,000K or more commonly 2,700K yeah. bulb. The 2700K bulb is essentially, that that temperature in Kelvin is like the sunrise, the magic hour of photography, where <laughs> you laugh, right? But people- But it's people, true. They, yeah, they get up at four in the morning and they stage cars and models and they take amazing pictures because they're <laughs> using that that light. So the reason why a lot of people are like, uh, yeah, I, 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 I look better in that warm light, that orange reddish light. That's because you do look better in orange reddish light than most <laughs> people. Another number you might find in there is the CRI or color rendering index. It is a scale from zero to 100. 100 is essentially the light from the sun. Anything on that, uh, like from 75 and up is considered excellent. Uh, if color matters to you, and it probably does, try to find the high CRI. I'd go for like 80 or 85. Okay. Um, Man, there's a really great article in Lifehacker that if you've never really sat down and learned about lighting is a great place to start. Because it talks about sort of the basic divisions. Like if you were if you were a lighting designer, right? Ambient lighting, task yeah. lighting, accent lighting. Um, and it's a really great article that goes through like living room, kitchen, bedroom, bathroom. Because the different rooms have different, you know, needs. That's um, true. That's very true. So, you know, it's it's interesting to look at that. And it's it's also you know, the, 
the, the color temperature stuff is not particularly new, but addressing it directly in Kelvin is very much something that kind of mm -hmm. starts up with CFL and LED bulbs. Um, again, 5,500 5, K, that's, you know, some studies say reading comprehension improves with children. We can definitely actually like science see better detail in 5,000 mm -hmm. to 6,000. Um, those are the great task lighting bulbs. I've used some brands of LED bulbs that existed for like 15 minute days, for like 15 minutes, 15 wow. days, 15 weeks. Um, well, there was some in the early days, like you'd see like, oh, I want to try that LED bulb. And it was like a clear glass bulb <laughs> with four, like a, a rectangle, yes. a little tower of LEDs inside oh, yeah. of it. And you would end up with like bright spots and dark spots yep. radiating out from the bulb. So the light was coming out in like an X. Um, you know, I've uh, so the fight bulbs from Costco tend to be pretty good. Uh, my ambient lighting in the garage is all fight for uh, like uh, LED shop lights. Oh. Um, they're at 4100K, which is lower than that 5000K ideal, um, but they claim a CRI of 80 and the price was right because they were cheap. Um, all the 40 and 60 watt bulbs in my house uh, and the 100 watt, like the 200 watt bulbs we <laughs> have left are Cree bulbs, uh, mostly TW series, um, which are a soft white 2700K, uh, bulb but have a 93 color rendering index so things okay. look really good under them. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, I like, I've had really good luck with Cree bulbs. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else can I tell you? Um, that, there's so <laughs> much like legitimate sciencey geekiness going on with lighting. Well, it's amazing <laughs> how much also the designs have changed because yeah, you know, they is. used to, we've seen. And it went fast. They went really fast. You know, Philips had one of the best bulbs around for a while. That was this, basically it was, I, I, you know what, I could go way, way down this rabbit hole and I'm going to stop. <laughs> but it's amazing in five years how much the designs have evolved. Yep. Even from like Cree have done like four major, at least four major iterations that I know of their bulb technology or their bulb construction. Um, the upside of that is they're getting, you know, they're, 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 the light's good. You have no issues. It radiates light in every direction, just like an incandescent yeah. bulb. There's no weird sort of like, oh, there's a band of light, or there's the X's of light, or. <laughs> I should put LEDs in my home studio. That would probably help a lot with the lighting. LEDs can, they can give some good light. A lot of, well, the studios also get really interesting because then, you know, do you want shadows or do you need sort of ambient light that's very, very diffused? That mm. is a conversation for another day. It is. <laughs> you got thoughts on uh, <laughs> CFLs and LEDs and incandescent bulbs? By the way, if you're one of the, I know, I know somebody out there, just emailed, I apologize, I didn't have time to drop this in the rundown, but they were like, what should I do with all, all my old incandescents? Save them. They'll be worth millions. This is the $9 chip PC from Next Thing Co. This actually boots. <laughs> Finally. Finally. How many of these do you have now? I have four. Uh, <laughs> I ordered two. Uh, I had to RMA those. It, okay, let, let me start at the beginning. So, uh, $9 chip PC, mm -hmm. um, Kickstarter project, yeah. uh, Next Thing Co. is the company. Uh, they did the auto, the GIF camera. I, I got to meet a bunch of the guys at the, at the Maker Fair last year. It was really, really cool. Um, so, we got the, the $9 GIF PC that I pre ordered, and it ran for about 15 minutes, then it died. No. No. And then I started going through uh, the process of trying to reload the operating system on okay. it. So, let me take a step back from that for a second. Um, about half the size of a Raspberry Pi Model 2. It's got a one gigahertz R8 CPU, uh, ARM 7 based chip, uh, 512 megabytes of RAM. Thing that makes it very, very different from a Raspberry Pi is there's four gigabytes of storage on board, which means no micro SD card to create an operating yeah. system. And the operating system is actually shipped from the factory preloaded. Okay. On top of that, it's got onboard Wi-Fi, onboard Bluetooth, uh, one USB port, no Ethernet. Oh, okay. Um, but it's got all your wireless. 
and it will actually, with this little uh, connector right here, will run off of a lithium-ion battery and has the ability to charge a lithium-ion battery when you apply USB power to it. Cool. This is really interesting. Um, you'll need a powered hub to run it with both a keyboard and mouse, right? right. So <laughs> if, if you like, you know, if you plug the keyboard into here, you're fine, or the mouse into here, but if you try to do both, it falls down. Gotcha, cool. okay. Um, you'll also need a monitor um, with a composite standard definition. Uh, oh yeah, this is those. <laughs> flashing back to VCRs. Um, you make, you know, <laughs> cuts. It's so old school. It's so old school. Uh, How do you feel about that though? I despise composite video. <laughs> Um, Are they going to come out with HDMI though? Yeah, an HDMI module uh, for the GPIO pins, it, it basically snaps onto it, is going to be coming out later this year. Okay. Um, I want to say around June, May-ish, okay. June-ish. Okay, cool. Um, and what's interesting, I mean, it's, it's really interesting, right? Um, more power than a Pi Zero. Uh, Raspberry Pi 2 has four cores running oh. at 900 megahertz, so they're a little bit slower, but there's four of them instead of one of them. Okay. Um, that 900 megahertz CPU from, uh, from the Raspberry Pi 2 is a Broadcom part, which is also based on the ARM7. But this is a really interesting idea um, where a lot of the features you want, mm -hmm. not just the processor, but also the wireless stuff. So you're not buying like $15 worth of dongles to attach this to make yeah. you connect to Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Um, you know, the so it arrived, it didn't boot. Um, I tried the, the bootloader tools, the initial one, which is like, uh, the first one would write to it, but it wouldn't write the GUI version of the operating system uh, due to some limitations between the firmware and Windows. I think that's right, or the hardware and Windows. And so then I built an Ubuntu box, and I tried the Ubuntu bootloader, which would also not fix it. Then I tried, when they released the Windows tool for reloading the operating system on it, I tried that too, and that didn't work. And it turned out actually that um, the problem I had essentially scrambled the bootloader. That's what oh. I'll, I'll use a highly technical term. I scrambled. apologize. Yeah, <laughs> the next thing code guys are like, no, that's not what happened at all. Um, but essentially I did something that could not be fixed with the software tools that are currently available. Okay. What's amazing is they are actually um, you know, iterating on the software really, really quickly. They're working on projects there. Uh, at the, I got to, so I, I, instead of having to mail it to them to RMA it to get a fresh one back, I went over to the warehouse because cool. it's in West Oakland, East yeah. Bay. Um, did I just do that? Yeah, you totally yeah, did. I'll never do that again. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, and it, it was interesting because they have like a CNC mill and a welding table and a whole bunch of really, really amazing building Ooh. areas, none of which are unpacked because they're all working on the chip, which is really, really awesome. Um, one of the things that's interesting is, uh, you know, one, writing to Flash is actually kind of hard. The tools yeah. are evolving for this. And, uh, you know, I also have to flash back to four years ago. The Raspberry Pi is now four years old. And four oh, years wow. ago, the Raspberry Pi was a different thing. It was a very small, very inexpensive, very low power computer. Now, flash forward four years later, there are millions and millions of Raspberry yep. Pis out in the field and all That's these custom true. distros, right? So, you know, Volumio, which is the custom audio operating system, you know, that runs on a Raspberry Pi. There are MAME emulators. There's all sorts of crazy stuff. People have built projects. Um, the International Space Station Tracker, right? Yep. So the, kick, the Kickstarter, <laughs> the chip crew are at the very beginning of creating that core uh, community that develops okay. all the projects. For example, if you if you look at uh, Next Thing Co's Twitter feed, oh look, Chip does space things. Uh, ASI Flight Software runs a Sinclair reaction cool. wheel over here, and up at the top, I think they just did them. Oh yeah, there it is. Uh, music Hackspace is a milestone in our speaker culture project. Our DIY speaker is now wireless with Next Thing Next Thing Co's chip. Um, so if you run 
the chip PC mm -hmm. as a desktop, you got to be really patient. Yeah, <laughs> it's a single, I would assume so. <laughs> it's a single core ARM processor, and we're going to load that web page. <laughs> But if you that's pull up what a, you would expect. Yeah, but if you pull up a command line window, boom, of it's course, really, really fast. Yeah. If you do things that don't require you to interact with you know with X Windows um, in real time, it's got so much potential. Mm -hmm. But it's at the early phase. So um, the next thing, Code Crew, they're filling uh, Kickstarter orders now. New orders. Uh, if you order like pre-order one now, it's be for shipping in June. Um, they're developing hot and heavy for it. They're working okay. on projects that they can't really talk about. Man, man, I can't wait to hear more. Yeah, it's an interesting computer, and it's nine bucks. And I'm very excited to see what you decide to build with yours. I, I well, think about it. You've got Wi-Fi. Yep. You've got the ability to handle, you know, basically run it off a battery and charge a battery, mm -hmm. and you can remote control it via Bluetooth. I'm sure we won't do anything nefarious with it. <laughs> I'm sure there will be no nefarious activities involving the chip. Of course not. I don't know what the banana thing is about, so don't ask. The banana. <laughs> Probably just showing the size. I, I would hope so. Scaling. Is it a big banana? A little banana? Such a weird question. All right, moving <laughs> on, we got a question from Kendall Whitman on Twitter, who says, at Patrick Norton, at Snubs, hey guys, for the CPU ID app, there's a CPU temp under the motherboard and one under the CPU. Temps vary greatly, which is right? Oh my goodness. So um, I am a huge fan of CPUID.com. Um, uh, CPUID or CPU-Z and hardware monitor are really awesome tools, especially if you're an overclocker. And they're pretty much the last CPU temperature tools that are still maintained, i.e. They, they offer support for the latest CPUs really, really quickly. And they work really, really well. If you've never run hardware monitor, it looks like this. Oh. And so this is off of my uh, laptop. So the equivalent uh, to the CPU tin is kind of the temperatures over here, which says 25 degrees Celsius. I guess that's the temperature inside the case. CPU tin or CPU temperature info, that's the sensor on the motherboard. Um, the core, if you look under here under the processor, so they're up on a desktop, there'd be the motherboard would be up here. Processor, scroll down a little bit, and there's the temperatures, and there's a temperature normally for each core of the processor. Um, so the core temps are the actual information that's reported from the processor itself. The, in a lot of motherboards, the motherboard temperature, the CPU tin temperature, is a sensor that is often inside the ZIF socket, sort of underneath the processor on the motherboard. Oh, so yeah. the processor is the, is the toastery kind of part, and the ZIF socket and the motherboard creates an oven, and that sensor just bakes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no airflow under the socket in most cases. Gotcha. Some motherboards also um, have the habit of just generating weird-ass random numbers for temperature or <laughs> highly inaccurate temperature numbers. So you have to kind of check with the community. That said, I just use the temperatures listed under the CPU. Okay, um, cool. You know, and, and also, you know, if you have like four cores and four different temperatures, this is not unusual because you, know, you have the cores on the processor, the heat spreader, which is the metal that keeps you from breaking the actual processor. The heat spreader does not always heat all the cores or cool all the cores mm. equally, so it's not unusual That's for one point. to be uh, a little bit hotter cool. than the others. Well, the, I hope that answered it for you. Harvard <laughs> monitor is awesome. And of course, if you guys have a question for us, it doesn't have to be about temperatures, but it can be of computers, preferably. Uh, you can always send those to us over Twitter, at TechThing. Anthony writes, hey guys, I remember in the show before last, episode 56, I think, LOL, that 7-Zip was mentioned due to its encryption ability, and I use it a lot to unzip files I download, as it is such a lightweight and free program. 
My question is that I have a few good passwords to remember and it's becoming a bit of a task. So is it safe to keep my passwords in a text file and encrypt them with 7-Zip as a basic and easy single file to go to now and again to retrieve passwords I forget? This way I only have to really remember one single password, the 7-Zip file, and I can update the text file as needed. Thanks, Anthony in Ireland. Hmm. That's actually a really good question, and yeah. it brings up some important factors about 7-Zip that you guys should know. So first off, 7-Zip is good in the fact that it uses AES encryption for Yay! those passwords. It's very easy to use, and it's locally stored, so it's not hitting up any kind of cloud Yay! when you do that password protection. Now, on the bad side, though, there's no two-factor authentication. You just have one password for your yeah. encrypted file. You must trust the computer that it's on since it is local. There is no mobile, so you can't use this with a smartphone, for right. example, because, well, unless you had an unencrypted version of it on your smartphone or something like that for your text file. Mm -hmm. And it creates temp files. More on that in a bit. So short answer is no. I wouldn't use it personally for <laughs> two specific reasons. First there's that unencrypted temp file. So every time that you decrypt your password spreadsheet and you resave it, it's going to create that temporary file. So should a targeted hacker or just someone who has a really curious sense of humor, they could set something up that automatically say copies and emails them a copy of yeah. any actual uh, temp file generated by 7-Zip. It's a fringe case, but if you are a secure kind of person, you should be aware of that. Yeah, it's something to keep in mind. So that will eventually get overwritten, but it will be there on your computer in plain text for anyone to see during yeah. that process of decrypting and then encrypting again and when you resave it with new passwords or whatever. Now, second, it's it's depending on one password to protect all your different things. So I would recommend using a program that's specifically designed to protect important information. GPG, for example, which a lot of people use for secure emails, requires a key exchange. So you have a two-way handshake or a password manager that requires two factors of authentication or is multi-factor for authentication. So that way you not only have something you know, which is your password, but also something that you have, which could be a uh, authentication app that makes a fake code every single time or a YubiKey that you have to plug into your computer to prove that it's actually you that owns it, uh, etc. So that way you, you have those two ways of getting into your password folder as opposed mm -hmm. to just one. Moving on, we got a question from Steven who wrote, Patrick, I saw you on Tech News Today 1437, which is an awesome show. You guys should check it out. And would like to know what headset with Mike you were using. It sounded good. Thanks from Steven. Thank you very much. I regularly use a Sennheiser broadcast headset based on the HD2512. Uh, it, it, actually, the HD25-1, I guess, Mark II or Model II. That's, oh. the, that's the actual headphones um, plugged into a uh, Focus Scarlet 2i2 USB audio interface. Um, this microphone is seriously badass. It's a very directional mic uh, because it was put together for use in places like this, giant stadiums full of soccer uh, or football yes. fans screaming <laughs> their fool heads off. This was this was used by like UK soccer production companies. Wow. It, ESPN used these for years. Yeah. Uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Company used them. Um, sadly, they are no longer made. I <sighs> would kill to have a couple more of these for making podcasts at places like CES. The current model from Sennheiser is the HMV26-2, I believe, price on request, uh, or perhaps the HME26. These are uh, factory prices. Okay. Um, you know, price on request. Yeah. Well, they, what they basically <laughs> do is they add microphones onto standard Sennheiser headphones. Cool. They're pretty badass. Um, 
This was not cheap, but it was also bought as a very professional tool that was you know, designed to deliver the best possible audio right. quality. Cool, um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and lastly, we got a message from Dan the Fan. I'll let you read this one, Patrick. <laughs> Dear Tech Thing, I noticed you have mentioned the Nexus 6P more than once on your show. I'm very interested in the phone, but keep hearing about the glass across the camera lens spontaneously breaking, and more recently about the microphone producing a muffled sound. What has your experience been? Has Google slash Huawei addressed these issues? Thank you, Dan the Fan. That's another awesome question, and to be honest, as I take this off, I've had this wrestle phone. wrestle it out of the case. I know, right? And I'll bang it around, too, if you want me to. Yeah. No breaking. Okay, so I've had the phone since I reviewed it on Tech Thing last year, um, right. and I you did. You bought it. I you bought it. it. Yeah, I bought this off Amazon when it first came out, or no, I bought it off <laughs> Google when it first came out. But I haven't had any of those issues. I have a screen protector on the front, and I have a case on it, and I've dropped it on our tile floor tons of times because yes. I'm clumsy sometimes, and it bounces around in my purse all day with a knife and some keys. So you would expect to see some breakage going on, but yet I still haven't had anything break on this yet. No glass, no issues with the microphone. Right. I know it's they're saying it's spontaneous. Maybe I'm lucky. Maybe I'm just not prone to breaking things. Well, one of the statistics, we were talking about this before the show, you had a statistic on a typical run of product. Yes. 5%, 5%. It, it No matter how good somebody is, 5% of their product is going to have issues. Yeah, so that's kind of a normal, mm -hmm. that's a normal give and take that you right. have with any kind of manufacturing of technical products is if, if you have 5% or less right. of those, that have an issue from any certain run, then you're doing a good job. And if you replace those based on some kind of manufacturing issue, which is why a lot of people carry warranties, right. then you're you're good. Now, certain batches might be bad. Uh, or maybe a batch of microphones got exactly, you know dropped yeah. in the river on the way to the Google plant. Somebody maybe just, something wasn't caught during the first run. Maybe it fell off the, yeah. the ship on its way over to U US. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like If problems persist, hopefully Huawei and Google will do the right thing and replace the phones. They haven't addressed the problem as of recording, as of our recording right. date. I haven't had any issues. I will absolutely update on the show if I do see any of those problems persist in my own personal take, but so far I haven't had any problems. I wouldn't keep keep it from buying a phone if you really love the product. Yeah, I, I would also say also, you know, the, the correct thing to do is, is to call the manufacturer and yeah. say my microphone is muffled or, you know, take it to the Apple store yeah. or take it to the, you know, the, the AT&T, T-Mobile, you know, Verizon, whatever it is store. Because in some cases, you know, they may RMA the, the, the device directly and immediately yeah. because you're not satisfied with it or they may tell you to go suck an egg. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it's hard, right? Because, you know, there may be... You know, there may be a whole bunch of problems with the glass breaking over the camera, or maybe the six people that have broken the glass over the camera all found each other, you know, on the forums or on Twitter or wherever else it is. I'm sure it's much more than six. Oh, yeah. But it's, I'm sure it's it is. you know, it's one of those things. People never, you know, have you ever seen on Twitter, hey, Comcast, love the job you're doing bringing internet to my house? I actually did that recently. I appreciated Comcast on Twitter for helping me lower my bill. And I, I pointed out the fact that nobody ever gives good feedback. And I was like, thank you for helping me lower my bill. So that? Otherwise, Comcast totally sucks, but well, and, and, I was and, like, thank you for helping me with Well, that. it's funny. Like, as much as we complain about Comcast, my internet doesn't go down. Yeah. And it keeps getting faster. It doesn't get And they cheaper. even say, like, 99.9% uptime or whatever over the yeah. course, the period of, like, a year, which yeah. ends up being 
you know, maybe an hour or two of downtime or whatever the, yeah. the amount might be. But everybody's going to have that percentage of failure rate that they know will happen, so. <laughs> I will also say like, I never buy extended warranties for anything these days. I, I mean, don't either. Pretty much ever. I do buy them for phones. <laughs> I don't. But that's, also because, but that's also because like how many times, you know, I, I managed to shatter the glass and bend the case on this within seven days of buying my iPhone 6. <laughs> All right, uh, remember once in a while, put down your phone <laughs> so you don't break it, step away from the screen, close the laptop and do something analog like Bruno's choice. He says, hi Patrick and Shannon, great show, keep up the great work. I like technology, but I like analog too. I like to listen to music. I listen to different genres of music. So what better way to listen to music in vinyl, I say. My analog pick is Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz 180 gram vinyl album. It has a beautiful album cover art on the record itself. Technique rocks Bruno from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. That's awesome. I've never listened to that vinyl. I... My dad has lots of vinyls and I think I should. <laughs> I'm Shannon Morse. I'm Patrick Norton. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. remember my very first I remember my first cassette that I ever bought with my own money while I was in like middle school you know what it was the Lion King soundtrack from Disney it's true what's the thing he says when he holds the lion I swim when you're Hey, prepares to be holding a small lion over the edge of a cliff. This is Britney Spears. <laughs>